Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Bobby's welcome. Appreciate other people reading the scriptures for us as we go through Psalm 23. Doing one verse a week, but it's really nice to just hear the whole psalm. So I appreciate you reading that. Thank you. And, um, I am curious. Talks about this scripture, of course, talks about laying down. So I just wanted each of you to take a moment and think, when it's time for you to lay down, as in to sleep at night, I'm just kind of curious, like, who, who's like one of those people that you could just sleep anywhere? You know what I mean? Like the day rolls around and it's like, well, I see some hands going, you know, the sun sets and you're like, I could sleep right here. Like people be like, but you're standing up. It doesn't matter, but you're next, no pillow. And then others of you are like, I've got my pillow, but I need to kind of, I mean, I have to like shape it a little bit. You know, pillow is basically a rectangle, but there's people I'm told who are like, well, you, you shape it a little bit. I just got to like fluff it up. And I want the end to be like bigger and this end to be smaller. And there's like a fluffing, squashing, shaping sort of thing every day. And the sheet, you know, and, and I've realized like you could have like the sheet up to your neck, but there's like a blanket, which maybe you want here. And then, and you know, there's like a system. Or you guys like, look like a lot of your system sleepers. I only saw a few people who were like, I got it. You got your system. You got your thing, right? Got to, some of you have your like stuffed animal with you. Got to have that on your left side, right? Very particular sleepers. This is helpful to know. What's helpful to know is you think maybe as a human, it's just me. I got to have my fan on. I got to have my white noise machine, my pillow fluffed just the right way. I read a little bit before I sleep. We got all these thoughts as humans. And part of what Psalm 23 is getting at is that David's comparing himself to a sheep saying, God makes me lie down. And I started poking around in this book. Uh, I think it's called A Sheep Looks at Psalm, or a Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. This guy, Philip Keller, I don't know him personally. I say this guy, maybe that's too casual for people who are smart enough to write a book. But Philip Keller writes a book and he says, I've worked as a shepherd. I've been around sheep. And he's traveled around and met other shepherds. And so then he writes this book. This is my thoughts as a shepherd when I read Psalm 23. And one of the things he says right away in his book is, sheep don't want to lay down. They don't want to relax. They find it very difficult to be calm. They, find it, they feel it very difficult. They're the pillow fluffing crowd, apparently. You know, They're like white noise a little bit louder, need a little bit of moving air, crack the window. That's cold in here. Fix that. You know, They're pretty temperamental when it comes to sleeping. And he goes on to explain that before a shepherd can get his sheep to lie down, he has to take out four threats, get rid of four challenges. Number one, he has to remove fear. If the sheep are afraid, they won't lay down. They won't rest. If the sheep have conflict between them, they won't rest. They won't lay down. Because sometimes apparently sheep can be like bullies and there'll be one sheep which goes around like headbutting the other ones and just sort of like trying to establish dominance all the time. So that makes all the sheep on edge. So the shepherd's got to take care of that sheep. 
Secondly, the shepherd has to remove threatening pests. There's all these little bugs and flies and things that can mess with sheep, so he's got to deal with that. Lastly, he's got to guarantee the sheep food and water. He's got to just say, like, you have food, you have water. The shepherd's got to deal with all of this. And what David's saying in Psalm 23 is God's capable of managing that stuff for you. Those things that get in the way of your sleep, those things that get in the way of your life, those things that make you say, I can't lie down, I can't rest, I can't relax. God says, let me handle that. I can take care of that. Have you told him about your big threats? Have you told him about your pests? Have you told him about the people that you feel like are kind of bullying you? Or maybe you're the bully and you're keeping yourself up because you're agitated and like, I got to establish my dominance over people and you have this internal drive. Shepherds, this shepherd makes it clear, sheep lie down because they know the shepherd's with them. The shepherd's got the authority, the shepherd's got the wisdom, the shepherd fixes the problems and the sheep lie down. And David went so far in another Psalm, Psalm 139, David says, if I go to the highest heavens, you are with me. If I go to the deepest depths, which in his mind would have been like the place of death and the afterlife and just all this sort of darkness, some the bottom of the ocean, this mysterious place. If I go there, you are with me. He said, the presence of the shepherd takes away all my problems because God is always with me. And the same is true today. We are his church. He is the head. He is always with us. Like he can't be the head and we go somewhere else because you can't go anywhere without your head. Like it's attached to your body. Do you know what the first thing David taught in Psalm 23 was? It was only last week. Claudine did us a favor this morning. She told you, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's the first thing David says. And what happens in verse 2? David says, he makes me lie down. He leads me. Where does a good God take David next? Where does this shepherd that means he shall not want take him? Right away, he takes him to a place of refreshment. Right away, he takes him to a place of safety. Right away, he takes him to a place of goodness. The first place David talks about going is a place where he gets cared for, a place where he gets protected, a place where he gets his needs met. He gets nourished, and he starts talking to God about his most basic needs. Like it's a place where he can just admit, like the pests are bothering me, and the predators are bothering me, and the attacks from people that ought to be my friends are bothering me. He gets this place. He makes me lie down. What a good God. What a good God David has. It's in this way that I think David is saying, lay me down, Lord, and lead me on. Lay me down, Lord, and lead me on. It's the main idea this morning because it's, he says in verse 1, I shall not want. But verse 2 demonstrates how. Lay me down, Lord, and lead me on. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. If you've ever found yourself in an empty place, in a spiritually hungry place, in a discouraging place, a valley of darkness like Katie read about, this deep darkness, that's where he wants to lead you. That's where he says, I can make you lay down there. And we just are like, there's no way, but you don't realize how bad it is. I can make you lie down there. I can handle that. I can handle that. He knows the best place for you. Later in Psalm 23, David in his own way, you know, not like our language that we use every day, but David in his own way says, look, I'm walking through the valley of shadow of death. I'm walking through a valley of deep darkness is better language, really. It's not just death, it's just darkness, just in general darkness is what the idea is. David says, I can walk in a path of righteousness. I have a table in front of my enemies. He knows where to lead me. He knows how to lead me. But before all of that, David says, God made me lie down. 
God nourished me. God took care of me. God had a good place for me. God made sure I had food and water. God got me rested up. And if you feel like you're lying down, and you're sort of like, I mean, right, the language made me lie down. If you feel like you're lying down, I hope you can accept that and say, my good shepherd's making me lie down. And you might inwardly bristle. I'm not real keen on lying down. <laughs> like, it's not like I wake up going, well, I mean, I kind of wake up waiting to go back to bed. But I ultimately am thinking, like, I want to do something with my life. I want to accomplish some things. I want to be purposeful. I'm not just trying to, like, sit around. I just get kind of antsy if I feel like I'm doing nothing. It's hard to lie down. But I would say the time comes when the Lord lead, leads you to a resting spot. The Lord says, lie down. Stay here a while. Rest here a while. Just eat the grass. Just drink the water. Just be nourished. Just be taken care of. There will be more to come for you. And it'll come when it comes. And then you'll see, man, I needed that nourishment. I needed that refreshment. I needed that rest. Right now, just lie down. Stay beside still waters. He'll handle the future. That's his job. And by the way, this isn't just a Jewish reality. This isn't just for ancient Israelite kings. This is true for everyone, not just the Old Testament. Christ himself expressed the same truth. And I'm going to read you from Matthew chapter 6. Christ is speaking in Matthew chapter 6. Big crowd, big, big crowd of people. The small group of people called the disciples probably knew a little bit more about Jesus at this point. But it's pretty early. It's pretty early in Jesus' time as an adult, pretty early in Jesus' time doing ministry. And he's got this big crowd, and he's telling them about himself. He's telling them about the kingdom of God, which he came to create. He's kind of laying out all this stuff, saying there's an alternate reality. And he's explaining this alternate reality to them. And in verse 24 of Matthew 6, this is what he says. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles... Eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Five chapters later, Matthew 11, Christ does it again. And remember, the idea is just to say this. He's not even talking, like the people he's talking to are not saying, Oh, yeah, yeah, my great-great-great-great-grandfather David, he told me this story. I got the letter still, like he wrote it in this nice card. Or he sent me a text message, like I still have the text, you know. These people are not thinking like that. But Christ is still telling them it's the same reality. And in Matthew 11, Christ tells them, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And verse 29 says, Take my yoke upon you 
and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lay me down, Lord, and lead me on. Maybe one day this week, just take 15 minutes, 30 minutes. I don't know if you can sit still that long. Maybe for some of you, it'd be like an hour. That'd be awesome. But take 15 minutes and just say, when are some times in my life when he led me by green grass? When are some times in my life when I was just, man, it was quiet waters? That's your shepherd. And you can look back and just think on those moments. And right now might be one of them. Maybe work's going great for you. Maybe there's been no homework at school yet. Maybe things are just great. Well, just say, hey, man, it's green grass. It's quiet waters. I'm retired. Life is great. Or work is slow. Life is great. Work is busy. Life is great. I don't know. That might be green grass for you. It can be like that. But think about that. There might be times when you've forgotten. But there's these moments in your life when you can look back and say, man, we should have run out of money, but we didn't. Or we should have had super struggles, but we, we got through it. The Lord led us. Where else in Scripture do you remember hearing about green grasses? Well, the Garden of Eden. That is one easy answer, right? It's probably lots of places. It's a hard question, actually, because it's like an agrarian lifestyle, you know? So, like, green grasses everywhere. I mean, it's not like, you know, downtown Manhattan or something in the Bible. Like, just in case you didn't know, like, very undeveloped, lots of rolling hills and all that kind of stuff in Bible times. But Eden... And the idea for Eden, that word Eden even comes from a language that basically is communicating this idea that there was a burst of green grass and green plants and green trees bursting out of a desert environment, bursting out of some place where there was not a lot of life, not a lot of agriculture, not a lot of beauty. And God says, let there be. And stuff starts growing everywhere. Bursts, that's the word Eden. This is this eruption of life. And what David's saying in Psalm 23 points backward to Eden. He's saying, I got led to green grasses. I got led to quiet waters. And in, the, in, in sort of the biblical story, the reality is the Garden of Eden was blocked off to people. Angel, flaming sword, you remember? Like, you can't go back there. Sin happened. People get expelled from the garden. They can't go back there. But David's saying, I've been led back, in a sense, to a place of green grass, to a burst of life in a desert, to quiet waters. I'm rested, I'm led, I'm taken care of. And he's thinking, I live outside the garden, you know. David's life was not easy, your life is not easy. That's not the Garden of Eden. But in the middle of it, God leads, God provides, God creates a special place. Revelation 7, 17, if you go all the way in the other direction, you know Genesis is backwards. You got Genesis, you got the Psalms, you go all the way to the end, Revelation Chapter 7, verse 17, God says, I will lead my people to springs of living water. He's, he's still using that language, springs of living water, garden of Eden, green grass, burst of life in the desert. David grasped God's goodness, leading him backward in a sense to Eden, leading him forward to someday springs of living water. In all these passes, passages, Jesus is saying there's springs of living water. Have you drank from it? Have you stopped that? Have you let your life be led to that place and then just stayed there and received that good gift? Lay me down, Lord, and lead me on. There is a place where green grass turns out to be a disaster, though. 
as always, we have to remember this sometimes goes wrong. There's another spot, like I said, you can think of many places with green grass and nice rolling hills and scenery. But there's a time in Genesis where Abram, who would become Abraham, and Lot have both got their sheep. They've both got their big flocks of animals. They're living together. Things are all right. But then, honestly, they, they both start getting so much stuff that they can't really share well anymore. They're, they're under shepherds are getting in arguments with each other and this water belongs to us and you're eating too much grass and there's bickering and there's, you know, and sheep behavior, right? Sheep start butting heads, dominance. Remember we talked about that? They can't rest. Well, there's all this unrest between Abram and Lot and their shepherds and their sheep and all that. So Abram comes to Lot. This is Genesis 13. Abram comes to Lot and he says, listen, Lot, look out at the big valley. Imagine that these two men, they're looking out at the valley the basic need is grass and water for these sheep. So Abram says, Lot, look out there. You pick where you want to go. You just sort of tell me where it is, you know, down to that tree and then curves around over to the spring of water, and that'll, that'll be your spot, Lot. You just choose your spot, and whatever you don't take, I'll take. So you go to the right, I'll go to the left. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. Enough of the problems, okay, Lot? Let's just figure this out. So Lot looks down. Lot sees a really well-watered plain full of water, full of grass. He looks great. He says, we're going to move down there. Well, that's, that's my spot. And it has two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, which is like, okay, so there's some development, some places to live. I can move in. I get some neighbors, public schools, nice infrastructure, good bus routes. We'll move in there. He goes for these cities. Sounds great. Sort of leaving Abram with wilderness. I mean, desert, you know, some green grass and some things, right? Abram's not totally destitute because of it. But, but I mean, Lot took the good stuff. Lot took the easy choice. And it made all the difference. It messed everything up. Because what happened is he sees all of this other good stuff, and he's thinking, wow, this might look like the garden of the Lord. It looks so good here. All this is stuff so good. But at the heart of this valley was something sinister. Those same cities had people in them who, for whatever reason, were just two of like, I don't know how they ended up there, what the story of Scripture doesn't tell us, but just two of the most wicked sort of cities you could imagine. And Lot missed it. And something that Abram was good at was listening to God. And it seems like Lot wasn't good at listening to God. Now, this turns into a story. You can read it for yourself. But, I mean, it could be like a Netflix drama, you know, like the twisted, weird stuff that goes on and the drama that unfolds is like equal parts wild and wicked and also just really entertaining. If you could turn it into a TV show, it'd just pull you in for binge watching for at least six or 12 weeks or whatever they came up with. It'd be this show. And Lot, though, I mean, honestly, like, he didn't want to end up in a disaster. Nobody wants, I won't spoil the plot, but nobody wants to, like, end up with their life like his life ended up. Why would I mention this? Because Psalm 23 makes it plain that only God can lead you to the good grass and the good water. What Lot saw down there made him think, that's green grass down there in that valley. That's good stuff. And it looked like it. I'm not blaming him. I mean, he was like, he, he'd been to the optometrist. He had 20-20 vision. Like, he knew what grass was. He knew what water was. He knew how shepherds, like, he knew what was up. He was on all levels making what seemed like a good choice. But Proverbs 14:12 says, there is a way that seems right, but its end is death, or the end of that way is death. So first, ask the Lord to be your shepherd. Maybe you're looking out at that, that metaphorical field. I know none of us are shepherds, but you're looking out at the thing saying, where should I go? What choice should I make? Tension in my life is driving me. I've got stuff. I need to do something. I've got to fix a problem. Take a minute and say, Lord, be my shepherd. 
because he alone knows where these two places are going and what the future is. That's where David starts in chapter 23, verse 1, Psalm 23. Abram listens to God. The second thing I want to say is, if you've already, and just like me, you've already made choices, you're living in the middle of some plane, you've got choices, you know, life has rolled on and led you into situations, I think it's worth asking yourself, am I actually resting? Like, is this actually good grass? Is this actually good water? Five years ago, it looked like it. Twenty years ago, it looked like it. Three weeks ago, it looked like it. But am I actually resting? Is this actually good grass? Is this actually quiet water? Like, am I, is this the sort of place where there are habits and behavior and people and influences that are helping me fill up into who God wants me to be and what God wants me to have? Is, is this green grass or not? Because from a distance, things can look green, and you get up close, and it turns out to be a cactus, right? Like it's not grass. This is one of the reasons that I think, honestly, I mean, like, Lot could have looked around and just said, I don't exactly think this is as good as what I thought it was. I'm going to get out of here. One of these can just be taking a Sabbath, I don't know how you navigate this in your personal life, but are you taking a Sabbath? It's one of the best gifts God gives. And there was a time in the history of God's interactions with the human race that he said, there are 10 things that are so important to me, I'm going to write them in stone, bring a guy up a mountain, things are going to go sideways to make a long story short, the guy's going to go down the mountain, I'm going to tell him to come back and do it all over again because I want these 10 things in stone and I want people to know what they are. And one of them was, take a Sabbath. And it's right up there with don't murder and don't steal. And most of us are like, yeah, don't murder, don't steal. We're good on that. Not, not going to do those two things. That just doesn't go well for me. So I'm not going to murder, not going to steal. But then we forget, like, man, we got the greatest gift ever, which is take a Sabbath. Every seven days, God says, hey, quiet waters. And I'm, I'm struck that in, in Jesus' time, he had a conversation with people about the Sabbath, and there was a rule that they wouldn't walk more than a mile which sounds like it it could get kind of tedious. Like I imagine they get their Fitbit out and they're like, all right, 2,600? I got to stop at 2,650 steps. That's a mile. I can't go any farther with you. Sorry, I would come over for lunch, but you're 2,800 steps from my house. That's more than a mile. I got to follow the rules. That sounds kind of, but they they were like, this is a gift to us. And I don't know why they chose a mile, but at some point it was like, there are things that amount to work and this is our day off from God to just rest. And if it's not quiet waters, we're not doing it. If it's not green grass, we're not eating it. We're not laying down there. I think it's this beautiful gift from God, the Sabbath. This psalm is all about a place where you can rest, a place where you can be safe, a place where you can be refreshed. It doesn't mean the whole world is safe. There is danger. There is strife. There is hardship. And it's not taken away from that. It's saying in the middle of that, God leads you into a place and says, you're safe here. Your needs are met here. I'm your shepherd. You shall not want. Let's get started right now. Now, what if your life is not that way? What if right now you're just like, no green grass in sight. The waters are raging river, flooded rapids, crazy. We don't really have too much of that here, but it was interesting to Google around and see just like some of the world's rivers, not this month, but in like a few months when the spring melt happens and like snow starts to melt in mountains and things, rivers get crazy. And you're thinking, there's no way I'd swim in that, but there's people kayaking. There's no way I would like sit next to that and like try to drink this raging river. What is it like when life's like that? 
when it's too stressful, it's too busy, it's too intense, there's too much going on, how would, us, how would we navigate that? I mean, Because we could just be saying, why didn't God lead me to a place of rest? That's what Psalm 23 says. Well, respectfully, I would say, go ahead and ask him that question. Go ahead and say, like, Lord, I'm being real. This is where I'm at. This is life. I don't see green grass. I don't see quiet waters. I, how did we get here? And you'll see what he says to that. But I also think on some level, he may already be answering the question saying, mm, remember those choices you made? Because I kind of let you do your thing. Like I gave Lot and Abram this choice and they kind of worked it out this way. So there may be a level in which your own perceptions are your best asset to say, oh, this isn't green grass. These aren't quite, how did I, I, I don't even know how I got it. And I'm not sure how you get there. And in my own life, when I run into these things, I, I do sort of wonder, like, how did I get here? But sometimes I'm also just like, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> I'm just getting out of here. I don't know what happens, but I'm just changing. I'm quitting. I'm running, whatever. I'm getting out of this situation. So it may be that God's trying to get you to slow down, and he's already showing you that. See, the thing about Christ is, the thing about the God we serve, he knew when to take a nap in the boat. Jesus had this moment with his disciples. He could have been busy. Life was short. Darkness was great. He had a mission from God himself. He had the Holy Spirit. All these things. Jesus taking a nap in a boat. His disciples are like rowing and sailing across the big sea. The storm breaks. You heard the story. But he's like, I'm taking a nap. Time to, time to rest. Time to rest. I just need a nap. I'm going to take one. Christ knew, I'm going to withdraw to quiet places, and I'm just going to talk to God. But there's so much you could be doing. Praying. Sorry. I'm praying. I'm resting. I'm connecting with God. David had hectic seasons. You have hectic seasons. If it's one of those, it's worth saying a couple of things. Shepherd, would you make me lie down? Shepherd, if I need to get out of this, would you go ahead and do that? Would you lead me on? Just lay me down. And the goal is to let him lead you into lying down. And some of us can live hectic and then just fall down. I mean, that is an option. Like, you can just, just be hectic and then fall down and fall over. And I don't know where you're going to land when you do. And God is there to pick you up and to take care of you and to help you because he is the good shepherd. So, I mean, Jesus said, like, he'll leave the 99 and come find you and get you and carry you back and nurse you back to health. But it'd be a lot better if you can say, go ahead and make me lie down now. Go ahead and lead me out of the situation I'm in. If you're on the hectic train, as I like to call it, try to figure out who's driving. Like, how did I get to be a passenger on here, and where's the driver? Because I'd like to get off or, to, you know, share my need. And if it's actually God, like, slow it down a little bit on the hectic train, Lord. And you might need to start with a prayer, in a sense. The classic Christian word for this is repentance, and it still fits. Like, to, the idea of, like, turning your life around or redirecting your life, that still fits. But it might be something where you're saying... Lord, I'm a passenger on the hectic train, but my perfectionism has been driving it. Or I'm a passenger on the hectic train, and it's because I've been trying to save up enough to get that thing. Or I'm a passenger on the hectic train because I'm trying to please all these people instead of please you. And what was I thinking? Those human beings are crazy. I don't know why I'm trying to please them. Those human beings are mean to me. Like, why am I trying to be nice to them? I don't know what got you on the hectic train. There's all kinds of things. Fear, how you were raised, you know, your family, your childhood, all this kind of stuff. Work. All of it. There can be a million reasons to be on the hectic train, but you've got a shepherd who says, I can make you lie down. I can lead you on. can be anything. Do you know what happens when a child tries to drive a real car? You already do know. They can't reach the pedals. They can't reach the gear shifter. My kids maybe can grab the steering wheel, but I know they can't reach the pedals. 
they can't pull the drive. I mean, they don't even have the intellectual capacity to know how it works. But, much, but even if they had the brain for it, they don't have the body for it. And what you'll find is that fear and perfectionism and pleasing crowds and earning a lot of success or all these other things that could be in the driver's seat or mental health challenges or emotional health challenges, all that stuff that makes us as sheep not able to lie down, none of that can reach the gas pedal. None of that can shift the gears. None of that can turn the steering wheel. It can sit in the driver's seat of our life and make a bunch of noise. <laughs> Go, and woo, you know, and lots of lights and flashes and noise and motion. But not all motion is progress. None of that stuff can reach the gas pedal. You have a good shepherd who says, hey, I'll sit in the seat. I can handle the steering wheel. I can drive this thing at 120. I know how to hit the gas pedal. I know when to hit the brakes. I know just how to drive this thing. So move on over or evict those crazy people out of the seat or whatever and let me reach the gas pedals. Let me drive the car. Let me be your shepherd. Christ is leading us to victory over sin. Christ is leading us into lives of service and purpose. Sometimes he knows we need to slow down. He knows what he's doing. He's such a personal shepherd. He's such a good shepherd. He's not just using us. By the way, he's not saying to David, like, I have this great plan for your life, so I'm going to put you into this great dieting program and this great rest program, and then we're going to go run a marathon or like 100 miles through the desert or some kind of endurance race or some kind of display of magnificent human performance or the, your, your time as king is super difficult, so we're getting you ready now, although that's part of it. But he's not just using David. He's saying, I really care about you. Lay down rest because he'll lay you down and rest you just so you can keep doing ordinary things and that's okay to him following christ is something where you give 110 percent effort you can be very devoted you can be very committed but he says i'm not just using you i'm not trying to burn you up and throw you out you're not just like a candle to me provide light to the whole room and when it's gone chucked it see you later candle thanks for the batteries i had to replace the batteries in this earlier it wasn't clicking and it's like corroded over inside and all this other stuff it's like those batteries are worthless when they're corroded over. But Jesus looks at you and he says, you're never worthless. You're always useful. I care about you. And you might have urges that are like, but I could be more productive or I should, I should work another hour a day or I should, I should be doing da, 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 da. Well, maybe if that's what the shepherd wants you to do. But he might say, lie down, lie down. I love your rest. You've done enough today. He might even say, in case you haven't noticed, I'm God, right? There's that bumper stecker, something like, I'm God, I'll be in charge of your problems today. You know, like he's ready for that. He's ready to handle that. He values you. He cares about you. I don't know what your life's like right now. I don't know how this kind of talk, but, but just imagine, just think, how would my life look different if he was in charge? How would my life look different if he was leading me, if he was handling my problems today? Would it be life-giving or life-draining? Would it be dangerous? Would it be safe? What would it feel like? Psalm 23, amen, thank you. Psalm 23 implies a shocking truth, though. You will not make yourself lie down. David says, he makes me lie down, which means we don't. We don't. We fluff our pillows, we pull our sheets, we work ourselves to exhaustion. We do those things, but it's him who makes us lie down. It's him who takes care of us. Because there are some things, you can pull your sheets up as much as you want. You can fluff your pillow as much as you want. I'm that person who thinks I can sleep anywhere. So I can just do that. 
but I am a little sheep and you are a little sheep. And he's, we got a shepherd who's like, I need to take care of those pests for you. I need to take care of those bullies for you, those, those other sheep that are troubling you. A few weeks ago, Charlie was preaching and he was talking about how we can all be disciples who make disciples. I don't know if you remember this, but he kind of went through this list of all these things in our world today that would get in the way of the abundant life or seem to be the opposite of what the abundant life is. And he talked about, I don't remember all the things, but there was probably violence and criminal behavior and mental and emotional struggles and all these sorts of things that are just very common for human beings and very much a part of life. And we have a shepherd who steps in the middle of all that and says, let me lead you. Let me lay you down. Let me give you rest. And, I, and I, I think it's awesome that, you know, many of us don't struggle with all of those things all at the same time, and we make pretty good choices. I, I know most of you well enough to say, like, you make good choices, and I seriously applaud you for that. That's awesome. Keep making basically good choices. It works out well. But I also know that I look back at my own life, and I go, man, there's some places that are brown grasses. And I just kept kind of hanging out with the brown grass and the cloudy rushing water that like I just can't really get close to, can't really drink, can't really appreciate. And the shepherd wants to lead us in those moments, wants to take us somewhere else. And I think Lot could have looked around sooner and gone, and you know, real estate values in Sodom and Gomorrah are all right. Some of the neighbors are kind of decent, but it's, it's a little shaky living here. It's not exactly... Like, you know, the walk score is still good, but I mean, the number of police calls have been going up and things are getting kind of just, it's getting a little bad here in Sodom and Gomorrah. We got to take that moment and look around a little bit and maybe like a lot, just be like, I'm getting out of here. It's time to lay me down. It's time to lead me on. And even Paul, the apostle, started churches, went on mission trips. I mean, he did everything that if we were sort of like picturing this great Christian life, like the Apostle Paul did all of that. Incredible encounters where he sees Jesus face to face in a vision. He says, at one point I get taken up to the third heaven. He has all these unbelievable spiritual experiences, all this human devotion. And in a moment of vulnerability with some Christians in Rome, he says, listen, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do. Lord, lead me on. Lord, lay me down. I think one of the most common things we do as human beings is self-sabotage. You know, like life starts going right. And then we make some choice and like shoot ourselves in the foot. This is a backpack I like to wear and go hiking. Some of you think that's like just a sick and twisted form of entertainment. I get that. Uh, But I do like it. I like to get outside. And the thing that happens is when I want to sleep somewhere, I, I, I get excited about the basic things when I'm camping. I'm thinking about hamburgers. I'm thinking about sleeping. Can't have those things the same way. And I love the mountain scenery and the sunrises and all that gorgeous the peace and the quiet. That's what I go for. But what ends up happening, though, is at some point I've walked enough miles that I'm at the campsite and I'm ready to rest. And it's in those moments that what happens is you can't do this. Nope. And it's not good enough to be like, oh, I think I'll roll over. Because, you know, you know, and then you're like, well, maybe this. You know. And pretty soon, you're like, human beings weren't made to rest like this. Human beings, like, even when you're hiking, like, you imagine, you know, like, there's stuff in there. Like, that is not what you want for 6 or 12 miles or 20 miles if you're, like, some superhuman, you know. And when it comes time to lay down, it's like, take that thing off. Take that thing off. And your shepherd's like, take that thing off. 
we got to say, make me lie down. Make me lie down. And the only thing getting in the way is we're walking around with something. And he's like, could you take it off already? Could you take it off? Matthew 11. I read this earlier. I'm going to read it one more time. Matthew 11. Christ says to you and to me, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You've got a good shepherd. Don't fight for control. You've got a good shepherd. Throw that thing out that can't reach the gas pedals, whatever it is. Don't leave yourself dependent on making your own peace. Lord, lay me down and lead me on. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for being so patient with us. Every one of us has got something different in our heart and our mind, something different in our childhood and our adulthood, something different with our spiritual thoughts and our mental thoughts and our physical circumstances and work and school. Every one of us is in a slightly different place. But something that's true is you can make us lie down. You can lead us. You have the right place for us. You have the right path for us. And we thank you and we praise you for that. Pray for my dear brothers and sisters around me right now that we could, we could trust you this week. We could go ahead and say, all right, I'm going to lie down. I'm going to look around and see this is genuinely good grass from God. We'll take a Sabbath. We'll rest. We'll take 15 minutes and meditate on good things you've done in the past. We'll pray, we'll gather, we'll seek, we'll do what we need to do to be with you, to somehow put your yoke upon us. And every one of us needs some help with that. So please help us with that. Please help us realize the areas where what we're carrying around and how we're living our life is not from you. We don't want to end up like Lot. We want to end up in your good, pleasing, and perfect will. And we know you want that too. We know that it's possible for you to do the same thing in us that you did in Paul even as imperfect as we are, to end up being able to say, just like he did, we have fought the good fight. We have run the good race. We've finished the work God gave us to do. It's in his name we pray. Amen.